You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Boss Soccer Liberty Podcast. This is episode number 258 of the Centron's Favorite Podcast. Jeremiah Morrill here, joined by Category 5 Super Producer Zach Bircham. And uh, I, I guess you're your host today, Betsy. Betsy Mills is here. Welcome. Welcome, lady. Hey, thank you so much. Glad you're here. Dakota has, uh, is, is dealing with some stuff at home. He had planned on being here, but uh, it's that last-minute audible. I, I, I figured it was going to be the crappy weather we've had this week that would pull him away, but it was something something else. So it's so be it. It's, we miss uh, you, buddy. We, we'll make we'll, we'll muddle through somehow. Uh, we just uh, did a, a really cool Patreon segment. Uh, encourage you all to check that out. But, uh, you know, I'm half lost. Dakota normally does this part. Today we're going to talk with Betsy about uh, about some campaign stuff. We're going to talk about uh, a trip to Poland she just did. Essentially, would you call it a missions trip, Betsy? It, or I mean, a or relief, humanitarian relief? Sure. sure. I, yeah. Um, <laughs> a quick escape to, uh, to to Europe. A little bit of everything at once, sure. Um, and then uh, we're gonna well, we talk. We we plan on having Dakota as the uh, the electricity subject matter expert, but instead we're just gonna make it up and talk about how hot it is and how uh, REMC threatened to turn off the power all week. And then uh, there's a special mystery surprise. A former a former Boss Hog guest got his big break, and he's going to be on HBO this summer. And we're gonna, I guess, we're gonna have to pay attention. Uh, this show is about our lives in rural Indiana. We're here to push your boundaries and make you think as individuals. Sometimes we'll provoke you. Other times we'll make you laugh. But hopefully you'll always learn something new, like a certain show you need to watch on HBO this this summer. The title literally sounds made up. <laughs> the whole thing sounds made it up. It sounds like something on 30 Rock. Uh, we just did a really fun Patreon. Uh, it was Wandering. Uh, it included Zach talking about uh, about running miles. Me hurting myself and uh, and Betsy sharing secrets. Uh, if you want to hear that, jump over to uh, bossarderliberty.com. Click on the support button. That'll take you to the Patreon. You can join at any level you want. But if you jump in at $50 or more a month, uh, like Christy Avery, Jonathan Phillips, and Anthony Meyer do, you're mentioned at the top of every show. Christy is an absolute awesome human. I think she's selling the Norwex. Jonathan Phillips is over there at Andy Moore Buick GMC and Fisher's selling, uh, selling a GMC or a... Uh, uh, a, a Buick. I, I'm driving a sweet GMC Terrain that John hooked me up with, and so is uh, so is Miss Audrey Davis. And Anthony Myers delivering everything. So I'm assuming that uh, that this uh, left hand blue uh, brewing uh, Flamingo Dreams Nitro Stout that I'm drinking came uh, came on Anthony's truck. We're gonna give him credit. If you guys want some Boss Hog merch, uh, you can find it at uh, at the Teaching link that's uh, on the website or uh, or right there in the uh, Facebook Live feed. So Betsy, tell me what uh, what you've been doing. You 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 were here in the spring. You were running for state rep. We 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 talked about that a number of times. It didn't work out the way that uh, we'd all hoped, or, or you know, it didn't didn't shake out exactly perfectly. So what uh, what what's going on? Well, uh, you know, it was a crazy race for District Fifty Four, eight way race for an open seat. Um, 
I can honestly say I've never worked harder for anything in my entire life. Um, and I'm proud of that. And, and that's saying something because I, I think I generally work really hard. I'm the kind of uh, kid that when I was in high school, I would wake up at four in the morning, go to Tassel Corn and Strawn. And then that night I'd go to Shenandoah for band camp for a few hours and march with drums on my back. So um, I know what hard work looks like growing up on a farm, all that. Um, it was a good experience. It was also, you know, it, it was good. Like the fundraising behind us, the support from uh, major partners across the state and also local community leaders, friends, just party support. I was incredibly honored and grateful. And I will never forget the people who worked so many polling stations around our county and Rush County, standing in the three different thunderstorms from 6A to 6P on May 3rd, just to encourage people to vote for me. Like that will stay with me forever. I know how wet I was an entire day. And the fact that people would do that for me and with me, um, it means a lot to me. So um, I was really honored to receive that kind of support, the endorsements, um, even the folks who reached out to me after the race to congratulate me on running a clean and professional campaign, which I really prided myself on. Um, it was an experience and I'm still recovering six weeks out. Like I'm still recovering physically. Like I really ran myself into the wall. Hitting- you, you appear to have been uh, prescribed the watermelon old fashioned hard candies and that's carrying you through. Well, yeah, I actually am recovering <laughs> from a cold. We'll talk about later uh, and what caused the cold. I think uh, my conspiracy theory mind on that, but um you know, it was the race was good, and also it it was bad at times. Like I'm still sort of processing all of it, and I and I, I haven't talked to the other candidates in the race, so maybe they went through similar things, and I don't know it. That's I've run two other campaigns for county council. Uh, I never received some of the feedback I got in this race. Um, anonymous threatening letters to my home. Um, People went to the effort of writing an angry letter and stamping it, stamping it and not return, no return address. There were two of those in the same handwriting. Someone took one of my mailers and like basically cut my face up and sent it back to me. Um, Voicemails, emails, some anonymous, some not, you know, you don't share my family values. You, you're this, you're that. You're just letters. The editor about me that made no sense whatsoever. There was a gentleman who claimed that, well, she can't run for office. She lives in Pennsylvania and she works for a liberal university, which Penn State is the comparison to Purdue. It's a land grant university and very agriculturally based, but okay, cool. Um, that to ironically, that same gentleman who wrote a hit against me in our local paper came to a council meeting several days later and begged for uh, kindness and compassion and that we would treat each other well. Yeah. Like, we all just get along. Yeah. And it was like, you've never met me and you're coming at me with a knife and, um, you know, so it's a roller coaster. It was a roller coaster. And I'm realizing now and talking to some of my friends in law enforcement, they're like, you should have filed a police report on some of this. And I was like, I was so focused on the race and not getting distracted and knocking doors and doing it the right way. I just, I didn't want to seem like, oh, I'm a victim. Everything's sad. I'm not saying it would have changed the outcome at all. Um, I just, it got weird. And I'm really kind of annoyed because I think uh, as Republicans, we're not supposed to do that to each other. And I'm seeing it again echoed in the, leading up to the state convention, which starts tomorrow. They're all beating the crap out of each other. It's really ugly. Um, I think it's inappropriate. I don't are like you, that. Are you a delegate for the state I am. Convention? I'm not only a delegate, but I'm on an advanced team and I'm, work, I'm going to be working very hard over the weekend to get uh, candidates selected. Um, I also really resent like... So the yeah, so the Secretary of State's race is the big nasty. Yeah, the, the, and the Treasurer one's really heating up too. And then Tara Klotz, a state auditor, is going to skate right on through, and that's great because she's awesome. But um, because the state treasurer is a very powerful position. <laughs> Who knows? It's, it? They're all 
what's happening if you if you've ever been to a state political convention they are all proxy fights for different factions of people it really is it really is establishment versus anti like i'm i'm learning that like two years ago it was all online so we didn't get to see that four years ago no one was contested um so now i'm understanding that state convention races can be ugly as hell and so um i've picked my teams and i'm really excited to support the candidates i am and i'll i'll update you guys later but listen the libertarian national convention uh we're on the wall network they they pretty much overthrew themselves. So they, uh, the 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 Mises caucus has completely taken over, and uh, yeah, it's a it, 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 this stuff happens. Yeah, welcome to politics. It is, and like it's never been personal before. Like you know, maybe some weirdo just wanted to make me feel weird and send letters to my house and voicemails, whatever. I when it impacts my family, I don't like it. When it's me, shoot at me. That's fine. I mean, not literally, but like you know. Um, but like, do you think? Do, I know it's it's difficult to know, but do you think it's one or two people that are just doing I, it, or do you I think it was no like coordinated? Idea. No, I have no idea. I, I I would never begin to speculate where that came from. I truly don't think like oh, it came from this camp. Um, but like there was a mailer that went out that said family values are under attack, and it's like, well, what, which family values are those? Are you is that about me? Like because I'm openly gay in rural Indiana, I'm my platform is about conservative values, all of them. Like we all pretty much say the same thing, by the way. And I'm very well documented in my conservative values. Um, and maybe it was a little bit too bold and ambitious to think that being gay and running and, and rural, Indi- rural Indiana was not going to be an issue. But, um, you know, there was a mailer that went out the, the Saturday before the election and uh, it had a picture of Leah Thomas, the transgender swimmer in college, having won the NCAA championship. Uh, and it said, Betsy Mills does not know the difference between boys and girls. And it cited the inclusivity resolution that I had worked on two years ago with Aaron Dickin, and which had nothing to do with transgender swimmers and nothing to do with anything other than saying it was boilerplate language that any Fortune 500 company or university would use. It say, hey, be a good person, contribute to the community. You're welcome here. You belong. Yeah. And except the, the mailer said, Betsy Mills doesn't know the difference between boys and girls. And then they also endorsed uh, one of my opponents. So just stuff like that where they've never met me. They don't know me. They don't know my values, but they are coming through for my throat at the end of the, of the race. And I just – it's stuff like that. It's like – I, I guess this is politics. I should have anticipated. I was warned to a certain degree, but um, especially in party, I just I was pretty disgusted with it. So, um, you know, we didn't run a race that way. We talked about issues. We talked about policy. We talked about the community. I, I I've worked very hard to understand our district and our community. And even though this race ends, I you know, there's more to come, and I'm still happy to serve. You've developed relationships with folks now in multiple counties and uh, inside the big old GOP. Yeah, yeah, and across the state, and uh, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of the endorsements I received and the money that came to my campaign. And so, I, I don't. Did you officially get an endorsement from your friend Eric, or just a just a contribution from the campaign? Um, How does that work? How did that work out? Because the governor, for those that don't know or didn't pay attention, Governor Holcomb did make a contribution to your campaign in the last the last few weeks. Yes, uh, I made a pitch to uh, folks down at the state party, and uh, I've been very supportive of the governor. I was his campaign chair for Henry County two years ago. Um, I'm a big fan of his family personally. I think his wife's amazing. Really big fan of the dog. Uh, Henry's awesome. I haven't met Topper the Cat yet. His mother-in-law is one of my favorite Facebook friends. Um, I I just think really highly of him and the way he governs. And um, I think in governance, you have to remember it's not just the people who agree with you. You have to remember everybody else. And you have to govern that way. And I'm not saying sacrifice your values, but remember that you have a wider audience. And I I think he does that so well. And I try to keep that in mind that even if I don't agree with my constituents, I need to hear them. 
So, um, yeah, my, my guy, Eric, uh, came through and I haven't gotten to talk to him yet because I went out of the country, but I'm really hoping to see him tomorrow and, uh, give him a hug and say thank you for, uh, his, his belief and supporting me. Any, uh, do you think that name Mitch Daniels is going to come up tomorrow this week, then this weekend with his, uh, retirement and James Briggs and Abdul's whispers? Undoubtedly. I've been reading about all of it. It's fascinating. It's, it's going to make that race wild. Not the gubernatorial race in 24 is already going to be wild. I mean, it's going to be so crouch and probably Rokita and maybe Hupfer, uh, Eric Doden out of Fort Wayne. It's, yeah, it's gonna be wild. Former governor Mitch Daniels was term limited at the end of his eight year term. He took the job as president of the pre-university he spent 10 years there, famously has never raised tuition. He's now retiring from his post there, and there are whispers in GOP halls saying, hey, by the way, Mitch, after four years of not being governor, term limits reset. You can do this again if you want to. And there haven't been like, oh, heck no, I would never dream of that statements. Right. It's it's it, honestly, it's his to choose. If he wants to come back, I think the, the field clears. I really do. And uh, people will get in line behind him. You think even Rakita um, would? Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> and again, you're you're going back to like establishment. Hey, listen, if like, you're in the co-host chair, you can't just go. Oh, I don't know. I think Rokita will do anything you have he can to, be to get a elected. Bomb How about Dakota that? sits in that chair and just launches. Well, nukes here's a bomb. The end Todd Rokita will do anything he can to get to the next level. So, uh, but I think anybody running against Mitch should think twice. Um, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of Suzanne Crouch. I think she's an amazing leader. She's the one with the glasses, the glasses, and the red lipstick, and she's just. She's so dynamic and so good at what she does. Such a great advocate for Indiana. And she's just climbed all the way through the ranks. Like she isn't just someone who showed up yesterday. She's every position you can imagine. She's held it. Um, she'd be a great governor. So I'm not saying, oh, Mitch all the way. Like I, I think he's a great candidate and he's done great things. See, that is some political savvy. You hear a name that might come out, but you keep, you don't just make an immediate endorsement because you never know. What trouble it could cause. Yeah. I, I, multiple candidates, I respect them both very deeply. So we'll see what happens. 90% of this show I just do to make Zach chuckle. I mean, if I can get how, that out of I'm him. just wondering, like, if Mitch came back in, like, how many people would be like, oh, come on? Like, because. Tons. How long ago was he? Or are there people that would go, why that office? Why the hell aren't you running for president, man? I don't, he, he I don't, has, think, I don't think he has any interest in the presidency because I think that there's, there's a level of scrutiny that. Nobody wants to deal with, and I think that he can get stuff done as the governor. No sane person wants to be president, and no, yeah, and for him to come back, yeah, he's got this kind of like legendary status, and I think that he was good, and that he was he's very fiscally responsible. But I don't recall him having any particularly controversial social. Like some of the people that have been there since him, I don't think that Governor Holcomb's been this way, but like Mike Pence put his foot in his in a couple of piles. Mike to, Pence had the most difficult governorship of my lifetime. And uh, it, it, my, my memory goes back to Evan Bayh, and I can't remember a single governor that had more struggles and political step-in-its than A Mike lot Pence of those step-in-it moments were stuff that um, Mitch Daniels wouldn't put his foot in. It wasn't con- – there weren't concerns for him. He's not – I don't remember him having particularly active social policy. It was he's a fiscal guy, and people love the fiscal part, so – it's hard to argue with somebody who just gets the job done for what the job is, and that's keeping the government running. That and doing it quietly and not grandstanding constantly. I yeah. just I cannot stand people who just grandstand and make issues and travel to the border for no reason. And I, I just I'm over it. Like govern the, Indiana, especially when the borders. Listen, how the, many hours away from here? Listen, the attorney general has to be worried about what's going on in New Mexico. It's <laughs> it's just so blindly. You know, the closest border is is like 
just northeast of Fort Wayne, right? That's the it's the it's the folks from Windsor bringing their, those their, Canadians. Their, their, their Canadian their inferior whiskeys over he, o- over the Detroit River is the real visit, risk. He could visit Canada for lunch, but no, that's not where he's traveling. <laughs> All right, so Betsy, let's let's talk about what happened here. Yeah, the the race finished the way it did. Yeah, and sure then did. you're scrolling Facebook, and our friend Kyle Sexton is 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 over doing humanitarian work in in Poland, and you go, "I'm doing that. Let's drop everything and go." Yeah, it was. Uh, it was it, sudden. It was very sudden. Yeah, this. I think it was the Thursday or Friday after the election. So like two or three days later, it was like five in the morning. I was should not have been awake, but I was awake, and I see he's posting in Warsaw, Poland, about like working somewhere and I messaged him. I was like, what are you doing, bro? What are you doing over there? And he was like, Oh, I'm volunteering, working with, you know, Ukrainian refugees, blah, blah, blah. And Had he like, been over there for a while or he just got uh, over himself? Maybe a week or 10 days. Okay. And so I was just like, wow, that's really cool. Like that's, I, I haven't been out of the country in years I, since my sister's wedding, like six years ago, which is embarrassing, but, and haven't gotten to travel in like three years because of stupid COVID. And, um, I looked up train t- or, or train plane tickets. <laughs> That's a hell of a train. That'd be a hell of a train over to Warsaw. Yeah, kind of gets wet for a while. Yeah, so I could fly direct out of O'Hare for seven hundred bucks round trip. Like train goes right by Sarah Palin's house. <laughs> anyway, but you have looked, to go through enemy territory to get through. Yeah, looked it up <laughs> and I, I mentioned it to my partner Chris, and I was like, so like just looking at this, and you know, we could stay with Kyle and. You know, I might go or I, I, I might go. And she was like, well, I want to go. And was, we, we just got done with at the same time my campaign was ending. So was spring semester. It was all at the same time. Good Lord. So you have this open window on your yeah, calendar. Yeah, exactly. Before summer uh, semester starts and everything and things pick up again before the bicentennial, which I'm really involved in. So I we say like, bicentennial around here. Bicentennial? Bicentennial. Who Bicep- says that? Bicentennial. Dakota does. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Did you all miss right. that episode? Oh, she was no, probably- that was the, was that the episode? That was the episode. Yeah. yeah, that was the episode where your endorsement came screaming out of Dakota's buzzed mouth. <laughs> that was, yeah. Um, Carrie Barrett made mugs. Oh, Carrie. Love her. Um, so, yeah, like it, it, literally this trip came together in like five days. It was like tickets are cheap. We can pay over there. The dollar spends really well over there. It's really easy to f- throw money down. I also think I just need to get out of town maybe for a few days. And it's Excellent timing. Yeah, I just, Listen, you know. It's kind of rough here. Let's run towards war-torn Eastern Europe. Right, to feel better. Yeah. Um, no, but just, you know, it, I've been running since October or September, honestly. As soon as maps dropped, I knew there'd be an open seat, all of it. Like, I've been going really, really hard. There's been a lot going on in the background. Um, it's been a more than full-time job besides the more than full-time job I already have. Plus of all my responsibilities Plus, as a council person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so like it ends abruptly and it's like, uh, and then I saw an opportunity. It, it just seemed smart. I, I told my mom about it. I told my mom, she was like, no. And I was like, I'm 36. You don't get to make that call for me. I love you. <laughs> but no. Um, and I said, it's not Ukraine. It's Poland. It's where all the refugees are going. They're not going to Ukraine. They're coming over. So, um, Within a couple of days, flights were uh, booked. Um, I, we, so on the flight over, yeah. did you think to yourself, I want to see somebody change the light bulb? Uh, is that like a Polish joke? The Polish joke, yeah. How many, okay. pol- pol- how many poles does it take to change the light bulb? You know, I, I hung out with a lot of them. I didn't see any issues with I know, I'm just uh, – the stereotype. I would I, be, the, the entire time over, I'd be just telling myself that joke once an hour. The only stereotype I thought of was pierogies, and that was the first meal we had. So, And they were freaking awesome. You but, got it done to me. So, how, so it's, it's, a, it's a direct flight from 
uh, O'Hare to Warsaw. Yeah, and what was funny was so like we connected with a group out of Indianapolis called called Indiana Sports Ukraine, and basically it's uh, run by uh, a lady we hung out with, Alona. Um, she is Ukrainian, Ukrainian, and she's a Hoosier now. She's you know here now, and they fundraise and they send things to the front lines like boots, body armor, medicine. And so like once she heard we were going, she was like, would you mind taking bags over? And we're like, sure. And she came to the farm with nine 50 pound bags, like military duffel bags full of everything you could imagine. And United Airlines is like, sure, you can check those. Here's the thing, Jer. As soon as we got to O'Hare and we're unloading it, there's a bus next to us. Everybody's wearing Ukrainian t-shirts doing the same thing. That's and incredible. they flew over. They were with all us, on the same flight, and they flew back with us. They were super nice. They're from Cleveland. They drove from Cleveland to Chicago to fly direct, and much much cheaper. Um, but that's the thing. Like if we took over those bags, they're hundred bucks a piece, and the, and the organization paid for it. We just had to be the carriers. Uh, if they shipped them, it'd be thirteen hundred a piece. Yeah. So like, well worth our muscles and time to make sure that happened. And and so that was the first phase of like, how do we help? Like it just was thrown at us. I was like, yeah, let's this do is, it. This is my existential crisis because I I won't let Sarah, my wife, my wonderful bride of nearly five years now, four years. No, check local listings. I think it's four. 18, 19, 20, 20. The more you talk, the deeper the hole. Yeah. I, this, this is the that's the joke, Zach. Of, of 15, 20 years, I won't let her pack my bag because I, I I have to answer that question of, did you pack your bag? Yeah, they gave us a really good inventory. And the reporter from Wish TV who came to meet me to do the story, like she was like poking around. She knew the the, the people who – so I, I didn't feel weird about it. But she was poking around like for the news story. I saw enough to know there was nothing weird. And <laughs> I thought if for some reason there's something weird in this bag, I have a very well-documented like evidence trail of like, hey, sure, I'll help you. Yeah, it's military or it's it's military armor, right? And it's you know I I, I and I looked at the organization. They're five hundred one c three. It's yep, Hoosiers. So, I uh, I didn't councilwoman want like a, Betsy Mills tried to check a RPG at uh, <laughs> at O'Hare Airport. Listen, I grew up watching Broke Down Palace with Claire Danes. I was not going to let that happen to me. <laughs> you thought the mail the letters in the mail were rough. Wait till you I get mean, caught sneaking weapons out of the country. I'm a little surprised the body armor doesn't throw a red flag. <laughs> I don't. Oh, I mean, yeah. I think it was like light stuff, but mostly it was like it was like it was like summer boots. Mild light. I mean, reason. given the circumstances, I think it would be acceptable. But I'm a little bit like that. Like that's one of those things that, like, yeah. And it was that. medicine. There was some candy. Like there was food. It was it was it was a huge mix of stuff. So well, that's um, awesome. So you you were able to get the bags on. You flew yeah, over. Yeah. So we meet a guy at the Warsaw Airport, uh, Vasil. Um, he walks up around and he's got my name on a piece of paper but it's upside down so clearly the english language and the ukrainian language were we, he's just drawing shapes yeah. so like we would trying to draw a russian language exactly so we're both texting people being like is this the guy is this the gal and it's like yeah yeah yeah. and he we're just sort of gesturing at each other he has this like tiny hatchback we go take all these bags to and i'm like i don't know if this is gonna fit he made them fit and he told us like i drive to ukraine now <laughs> and he that he went and t- taken him to the front line Wow. So um, then we went, met up with Kyle. Uh, we were pretty jet lagged. We got dinner, pierogies. So good. Oh my gosh. And yeah. And then the next day we hit it hard. We started um, working. So like the second phase of the work was like where Kyle was working was the world central kitchen right outside of the Warsaw train station. So literally people coming from Ukraine, like fleeing from Ukraine, they get off at this train station, the main train station, not just in Warsaw, but the country. And they come up for information they go to the information desk, and then right outside the door is this giant tent. So this is the first place they land. Yes. First hot meal, first all of it. Like there's a kid's area. 
Um, so we were, so every day, like we would go there and work and, and Krista and I were actually a hot commodity because we were women and they didn't want men in the children's area, which makes sense. There's huge issues about human trafficking, a lot of concerns. Um, so they were like, Oh, you're women. Like, you know, work with the kids. And I, I know that sounds stereotypical, but like, it's super high alert. Like you have to show a Ukrainian passport to get through this area or you have to be a volunteer and you have to be vetted. They have uh, Canadian military police working that area and they were all um, like bilingual, triangle, like they could speak the Slavic languages. Um, so yeah, we're working like – So who's in charge? Who are you reporting, working for or reporting to? It was pretty loose. You, you just roll up, up as an American yeah. and they're like, yep, we'll take you. Yeah, like you show up, you ID, like maybe a little bit of background. But like you show up, you, you get a vest, you get a thing. Like if you speak Ukrainian or Polish, like they give you different um, vest. But like – and then they put you to work. And it was mostly Americans working in the tent. And they're like, hey, I need you to go ladle soup. Hey, I need you to do this. Hey, I need you to do that. And there's different leaders. So we, we didn't have like a, a set schedule, but we would – come in when we could leave when we could there were nights that we were there till three in the morning there were mornings that we got there early like it just really depended on what we were up to and then that's like the third phase of what we were there to do which was like the independent projects so our friend kyle um one of his mentor from college uh the mentor's wife's name uh yulia and she's a professor at iupui and she's uh actually russian and uh maybe she's a hoosier now but um she is someone who like goes through Facebook groups of like Ukrainians coming over to Warsaw or Poland and tries to get them aid. Like, I think there's a lot of people doing a lot of things that are really quiet, just trying to help. And she's, she gave us, she said, Hey, you know, keep an eye out. I may tell you, like, you, you may need to do something. And, and we'd also said on Facebook, like we got to that kid's daycare area and the, the toys were like really worn, really sad. And I went to the toy store and I bought a bunch and just tried to make it a little bit nicer uh, and then I, people kept asking me, I mean, dozens of people were like, what can we do to help you there? I'm like, I, before I was like, I don't know. I don't know what we need. I, I'm, let me see when we get there. And then my first thought was, oh my gosh, that kid's area needs help. Like it really needs help. And so we went to the two people were incredibly generous. And a lot of them were from Henry County, from Indiana. Um, and they tr- trusted me to send me money through Venmo. And I went to the toy store and we just went nuts. Like, uh, I made a focus on farm equipment and farm animals we're very agricultural here and I tried to honor that spirit, but so is Ukraine. Ukraine's a very agricultural country. Um, just things that were interactive and smart, uh, fidgets, the kids love fidgets are international. Fidgets Fidget are for, for absolutely. And the poppets and <laughs> their little Ukrainian gets puppet. Like they loved it. Um, and so that was really fun. And, um, we just, we looked for how we could help people, but we're waiting for assignments. And so anyway, back to Yulia, she, we're having dinner at 7 PM on Saturday night and she messaged, she texts me and she's like, um, so there's a woman coming into the Warsaw train station at midnight. She's got three little kids. They have nowhere to stay. She's got, she, she doesn't have very much money. She needs help. She's in crisis. They've been bouncing around Europe for two months. And I was like, okay, all right, we'll go. We'll take care of it. And the first thing was, well, let's get them lodging. And we tried to get them lodging through like the refugee areas. And it was like, well, things are kind of weird tonight. Someone died of COVID. They haven't been able to evacuate his body. There's nothing available. It's like, oh, okay. And then back and forth. And she's like, we'll get them a hotel. Everything's booked for refugees. So it's like, all right, do you want us to spend the money? It's going to be like 500 bucks for three nights. Yeah, do it. Okay. All right, done. And, and that's where people's money went. Like we literally put this family up for, 
in a really safe, nice place over the weekend. I mean, it wasn't a luxury hotel, but it was, they've been bouncing around Europe for two months, like on temporary visas, back and forth, back and forth. So we got them from the train station, got them back to their hotel, uh, helped them throughout the weekend, got to know them. They were so lovely. It was a mother who's my age. She had a nine-year-old daughter and two five-year-old twins, and they were just so lovely. And we kept saying, like, what can we do for you? How can we help you? Like, what do you need? And at first she she was like, you know, you've done too much. Like, And it was like, no, like, we have money from friends in America. How can we help you? And finally we got another a translator to really explain it to her. And she said, well, you know, my kids need shoes. And it was like, okay, we can do that. And hi. Sorry, I got interrupted. Um, ice cream is always interrupting. That's cruel. That's cruel. Just so people know, Sarah just walked in with a cone with birthday cake ice cream in it. Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. And she hands it to Zach. I was like, that's my favorite. Zach, was, Zach is going to throw a fit. Yeah. A fit. But uh, – but it just uh, so Sarah. Sarah has shown up. She's stood through the weenie world. Is this weenie world or uh, mayor oh, ice wow. cream? The weenie world. So Sarah has brought us ice cream just as a ninety-four degree surprise outside. That's really sweet. Um, so it was really. Oh, thanks, girl. Is this birthday cake? Oh, birthday cake. Birthday you could cake. not have. Done you can't better. be unhappy when you could not have cake. done better if you'd tried and you did try very hard. So anyway, we took the the mother and her kids out for ice cream and some friends and just. Wanted to get them through the weekend, got the medicine, got them what you know, nothing exorbitant. The girls got Peppa Pig shoes, their shoes were worn out. We got the mama jacket. Like we just really enjoyed them. And they had one the three girls had one little cat. Like there was one toy, it was this cat that meowed. And I was like, uh, I gotta do better than this. So I got them, you know, every time we saw them, I would bring them something small like poppets or candy or whatever. And in the end I gave them stuffed animals and so have you been able to keep in touch with them? Yeah, yeah we message a lot. We message almost every day. Uh, the girls and their mom, they're living on a farm in North England, and actually my favorite region, like Yorkshire. Uh, the farm has a horse named Charlie, and they like to hug Charlie. There are dogs. They're living the good life. They just started school. They celebrated the Queen's Jubilee last weekend. The oldest daughter ate four cupcakes on Sunday, and she couldn't eat dinner because she was too full. So Zach, it sounds like they just moved into Clarkson's farm. Yes, they're like does, yeah. they're living the good life, and like it just it was an incredible honor to me to make sure that they got through everything, and and we got them what they needed, and and to and from, and there's more to it, but um, it was just an incredible honor to spend time with them and get to know them, and, and know that we made friends for life, and I'd love to visit with them, and they were just they're just like us, they're just I mean they're just people, except their communities are being blown apart by a murderous tyrant, and they have nowhere to go, so they're. It, it, you know, I put this on Facebook, but that like she reminded me of my family. Like I was the oldest daughter, and I have two twin sisters who are a couple of years younger than me. And like watching them walk around, it's like my mom had to flee with us, and we had to leave my dad at home because all the Ukrainian men under sixty five have to stay home. Like that's what we would have looked like, and um, it just it really made an impression on my heart. And there were other people we helped too. There was a, a gentleman named Radislav, and he gave me permission to share this story in his name. And um, he was disabled. He only had one leg, and even that foot had um, some I, I, a disability. And uh, he said, hey, I, re- I really need clothes. He was at the, the, the kitchen. He said, I, I really need clothes. I don't have anything. And so it's like a, a friend, Kyle told us about it. We said, all right, well, let's take him out. And we took him to the, like a secondhand place that really didn't have much. And I was like, well, I don't know what else, what else we can do. So we went to a, this place called TK Maxx, which is like TJ's European cousin. It's exactly the same, I promise. It's exa- it was hilarious. Do they have a Michels as well? Like, <laughs> Probably. In other towns. TK Maxx, no joke. And uh, 
So Radoslav, he needed shoes, he needed t-shirts, he needed shorts, um, you know, really simple stuff, nothing dramatic. There was one hoodie I grabbed. I didn't look at the price tag on it. It wasn't anything like designer, but it was like nice. And he looked at it and he was like, whoa. <laughs> and he was like so excited and just, he tried everything on to make sure it fit really well. And um, we got him back, like we had a cab everywhere, of course, and we got him back to for dinner and then um, Krista went back to his, his hostel with him, and the hostel was actually converted office space. And every guy slept on like a mat on the ground, and it was safe and whatever, but it was just so basic. And that's what a lot of these people are living through. And he was just so grateful. He couldn't speak much English, but we were going up in the TK elevator, and uh, he told me he got a little more brave. And as we, you know, were together, and he said, "You are prayers to God." And I think you know he's saying, you know, he's. I think he was trying to express gratitude and say, you know, you guys are an answer to prayer, but he was really sweet. And I've heard that he's been wearing his new threads and looking good around the shelters. So um, just things like that, getting people medicine, getting people you know, necessities, getting a kid, a mouse for his computer so he can do schoolwork, um, helping a girl buy a laptop. Uh, they had to flee Ukraine. She should have been killed. A rocket blew up the building next to her bedroom window and all the glass fell on her. She was sleeping, but she only had cuts. Um, just... Just hearing their stories, seeing their pictures, and seeing like this is—it's just crazy what you've had to go through, and you're here, and you know the fact that we could help at all was just—I'll forever be grateful. The thought of having to leave, you know, <clears throat> if if you're coming from a war-torn area, you'd be so conflicted. Just having the bravery to leave your town and go, and you don't know where you're going to. Right. Yeah. So to have somebody there to to welcome you. Yeah, and 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 also like just the vulnerability, like to think of our friend who came to that train station with their three daughters, who had been told, "We'll have somebody there for you." Like we could have been human traffickers. We could have been terrible people. We're not. We're not human traffickers. But like the trust you would have to have to know that I will get somewhere safe tonight, and I will be taken care of. Like I was honored by that trust, and I just can't fathom being in that position, like being that at risk, and and knowing that other people. There are people out and about, and they're not there for good, and they'll take advantage of anybody in a weakened state. So, I mean, then there were signs everywhere in Poland that were like, you are at risk of being trafficked. Like, you need to stay in safe areas. You need to, you know, go through official channels. Um, yeah, it was, it was really powerful, really interesting. How, how safe did you feel? Did oh. you feel like, were there, obviously you have those signs there. Did you feel like they were... Is there a mafia? Was there was there any uh, a crime group you were concerned about? Anything that made you uneasy? No, um, I thought Warsaw was exceptionally clean, and 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 uh, Krakow too. Exceptionally clean, quiet. I love quiet cities. As a sound sensitive person, I I, de- I I go to New York and I scream, but um, it, even Indy can be really loud downtown. But um, Warsaw was delightfully quiet. I very little trash anywhere. I did get into a bit of an altercation with a police officer outside TK Maxx. We saw a drunk couple and this guy was really roughing up this girl. Like really like he wasn't like flat out punching her, but he was like grabbing her and shaking her. And it was really, you could tell they were both drunk. There was a dog. It was super uncomfortable. I had no idea who to call and tried to talk to a few people on the street and they weren't having it. And it was just, I'm someone like having coming from the law enforcement background of dispatching. Like you see something, you say something, you see somebody in need, you get the help. Like, I felt so bad. And finally, there's a police car, and I wave him. And this is a huge, like, tourist area. And I wave him down, and I'm trying to explain. I'm like, and, and, and I'm the dumb American, right? Like, it's not my fault. Or it's my fault that I don't speak their language. I'm in their country. I'm not blaming the police officer for not, for not speaking my language. But I'm gesturing to him. I'm trying to point at what's happening and being like, he's hurting her, like, and, you know, and whatever. And I, I made the mistake of touching the car. And he 
slaps my wrist. <laughs> and then he asked me for my ID and he's running my ID while I'm watching this guy shake up this girl. And I was so mad. I was like, okay, do not get arrested. Cooperate with police. It's what you do. But like the audacity of him being mad at me while she, she's getting screwed up. And then this kid walks up and is like, Hey, and he points it out and he's speaking Polish. Then they get out. He throws me my ID back and then he goes and deals with it. And it's like, and I talked to the kid and he spoke perfect English. He said, Oh yeah, we called because she was getting hurt. And I was like, they dealt with me first before they dealt with the altercation. I was so mad. Like I was just like all the wrong priorities guys. And I love police and I support police, but I was super furious at that moment. Like that, that girl went through five minutes more of hassle because uh, they didn't like the way I approached them, which was in a fully lit area and just being like, help. Like someone's getting beat up. Like, <clears throat> That's got to be some of the social norms where you just don't understand the culture too, it, it and how to, be. how to how to be you know not how to behave but how to interact or what right the- yeah I, I right and I'm again a dumb American I don't know what I did to violate things and I I should clearly should not have touched the car but I was I was frantic because I was literally in public watching somebody just be physically and I would say sexually assaulted so it was it was really hard that her dog was barking like I think they were a couple that was like super intoxicated but. It was really disturbing to me, and I just wish he had had better priorities. So I didn't get arrested. Did you see how it ended, other than you not getting arrested? Our our Uber came right then, but it looked like the police officers were joking around with them. And it was like – and the kid, those kids were so good, and I was like, thank you so much for calling. And and the kid said – actually, three different people called. And was like, why were you messing with me? Like I was clearly pointing and gesturing at like what was going on behind me, but – I was frustrated, but if that mean people called, that tells you it's not a normal thing to be seeing. Probably not. I mean, this super, super like busy, well lit area on a, I think it was a weekend night. So you know, it, it wasn't two in the morning. It was like nine p.m. It was. So is is Kyle still there? Is yeah, he still doing, I, he's it, still there. It, I the think group he's, he's working with. Do they still need support? How how's how's this work? So yes, are you asking for like who to where yeah. to send money? Yeah. So um, there are two groups. Hold on, I've got it all written down. And my notes are out of order. Good job, me. Um, so, okay, I'll just say. The first group, so the, the official group we, like, volunteered with was World Central Kitchen. They're highly reputable. Look them up. The, I think it's WCF.org. You just Google it. But they're all over the place. Um, and basically, they deploy all over the world to places that need it. Like, they were up in Buffalo a few weeks ago during that shooting. They've been down in Texas for that shooting. Where people need help, that's where they go. And I, as I understand it, they spend their money very effectively and very efficiently. And what I thought was – and it was very basic too. It wasn't – I was just really impressed with the operation and how it worked. But what I loved was you know, these Ukrainian people come over and they're like, oh, this is food from home. Like they, they – whatever the food they're making, which a lot of it seemed kind of weird to me and not of our palate, tasted very homemade to the, to the refugees, which I thought was just really, really awesome. Um, the other group you could support locally would be Indiana Supports Ukraine, and these are the folks we took the bags over for. They're a 501c3. Um, Hoosier-led, like, look them up. They're on Facebook. They also have a website. Uh, really, really good group. Um, the, the leader, Alona, there's a lot of uh, news stories about her with Wish TV. And anyway, I, I found them to be great. And just, you know, we, they asked us to do things. We did it. Like, we paid for things. They reimbursed us. Nothing but a great experience. She's actually over there right now um, with her daughter volunteering. So um, those are two organizations I would point to. I would also say we are hoping to go back before the end of summer. Um, we might even go to Ukraine. Um, there's a lot of peacekeeping efforts and like some really interesting stuff happening in the background. So I'm going to keep my eyes open. Um, it's a busy summer. We have a lot of travel planned. And um, But if I can go, I'd like to. Um, 
Can I tell you one happy story? Absolutely. So there was this, uh, the first day we worked in the daycare, it was a early Friday. Um, yeah, this would have been the same night we, we went to the train station, but um, it's like probably three in the afternoon. Uh, Chris and I are working in like the little daycare area and we'd seen these girls before and uh, their mom comes by and she's like, I need to do paperwork. I will be back at six. Very important paperwork. Can you watch them? And we were like, okay. So we also had lunch. We had dinner plans at six, but it was like, okay, we made a, a promise to this woman. We're going to do this. And these girls like were escape artists. Like I had my back turned. The oldest one is gone. Krista's like, where'd she go? I'm like, and I don't how, know. Remind us, how old are these kids? Probably like seven and five. So young. And I'm like, I don't know. This and is, I, This is Zach's, Zach's at home, but he has, he, but double your youngest one. Yeah. This is my nightmare. I, I understand what you're dealing with. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I've made this sacred promise to this mother who's doing paperwork. I have no idea what any of it means. All of a sudden I'm chasing this girl on barefoot. Cause you don't wear shoes in the kid's area. Um, I find her like outside the tent, but in like the fenced in area. I'm like, come on. I get a, a translator to be like, your mom will come back, come, you know, play with blocks or whatever. Come color with us. Anyway, they tried to escape like no exaggeration. Krista's in the chat. She can say if I'm wrong, but probably six or seven more times. And it was crazy. And it was just like, please stop trying to leave us. Like your mom's not here yet. 6 p.m. rolls around. Couldn't come fast enough. She's not there. 6.30, nothing. 7, nothing. I'm starting to get really nervous. Like, did something happen to this woman? Did she, someone's like, do you think she left her kids? And I was like, no, but I, I don't know. And there was another volunteer who was like, oh, she does this. All, she's done this three days in a row. And I was like, okay. Well, she didn't seem flaky, but... I don't know. I'm just, I, obviously, I'm going to wait until she She's done back. this very important paperwork three days in a row? I guess. And so that was a Friday. And then we're back on Monday. Or she comes back at 7.15. She's like, thank you so much. So sorry. I was like, all right, let's go get dinner now. And, and, and that's what we did. Like, we always prioritized the work. Like, whatever we had to do, we did. And then we, we missed out on a couple nights at museums because they closed early and we were doing work. And it's like, doesn't matter. We came here to work. If we can fit in a museum or something fun, we'll do that too. And, and we fit in enough fun stuff for sure. But... Um, we always try to prioritize what we actually came for. Anyway, so money rolls around. We walk into the tent. That woman's there with the girls. And she literally comes up to me and Chris and hugs us both. And she doesn't speak English super well, but she said, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm so sorry I was late. On Friday, I was doing paperwork and it ran late, but I secured our visas to England. We have been here for two months waiting and we get to go to England this week. And she was talking to us. Oh, what do you guys do? Oh, we're teachers. We're professors. And she's like, oh, I'm an economist in Ukraine. Like, and she had the look. She looked yeah. like an academic woman, like, like a little bit hairy, exhausted for sure. And she said, I don't have a job anymore. You know, we, we, we left. I don't know what war-torn city, but um, – and so that I assume she's in England now with the girls. But I was like, okay, I'm so glad we stayed. I'm so glad we kept that promise. And to hear the happy ending, like they're safe. And to hear that they were waiting there for two months, like it's just – Things like that, where you're just like, I just can't even fathom it. But um, I'm glad I got to hear her story. I'm glad I got to hear the happy ending. So that's amazing. You wouldn't think, it, but it happens. To everybody, right? Everybody becomes incredibly equal when your city's getting blown apart. It doesn't matter if you're the person that works in the in the fast food restaurant or an economist at a university. Everybody, everybody's in the same situation. Doesn't matter what your what your status is in life. You're it's just a human situation. Absolutely. And 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 they, I, I noticed a lot of them tried to take care of each other. Also, some of them were kind of mean to each other. Um, and, and what I realized in talking to them and hearing their stories, you know, she's an economist. She doesn't have a job anymore. We made friends with a, a lady named Maria who spoke impeccable English and had two fabulous sons, and we really enjoyed them. And she was so helpful in translating and just be just, just so interesting to talk to her about politics in Ukraine and uh, internationally. But 
um, gosh, where was I going with that? Just, just hearing the dynamics and the politics of it. But her husband was a professional soccer player, like in his previous life. And now he was a professional soccer coach in Ukraine. Now he's a taxi driver. And like hearing about like our, our friend uh, who's in England with her three girls, like she's a professional artist and like a puppeteer. Well, those jobs don't exist anymore. Like the, the economy doesn't exist. Yeah, They're it, just, you're back down to the very basics of survival. Yeah. There's no pro soccer. There's no festivals. There's no anything. Like literally just trying to survive. So I think things like that are just really, um, you know, you don't really think about that. Like. A lot of them are leaving because they have nothing. There's nothing there. Even if they're safe, even if they have homes, they don't have money. They don't have income. So um, I just. And if you can't speak the language, then culturally, yeah, whatever you've got going in your home country isn't going to translate to other countries necessarily because if you don't speak the language, you can't use your skills necessarily. So, yeah, I I know there's a post that goes around Facebook and some people kind of put it where it shows like it's, you know, gas prices are awful. And it says, you know, but at least we have, and it lists all the things. And it's like, Americans don't have any idea what it's like to be in that situation. Because we as a country haven't been in that position. Some Americans do who have obviously served overseas or gone overseas. But like Americans, most Americans have zero idea what it's like to have your home obliterated and like targeted by another country. We just kind of live over here and most of the problems are an ocean away. Right. We don't have, you know, we don't have really have problems with Mexico or Canada. We're on good terms with them. So yeah, it's hard to even fathom. Just all of a sudden, you know, one month you're one month you're watching the Olympics, and the next month, and you know, something's coming. At that point, they kind of knew something was going on. And it's been a while, but and next thing you know, you're just like you're homeless. You're in a foreign country, and you're depending on people that you don't speak the same language as to help take care of you. Right. Exactly right. It's it's really, and I kept wondering. So, like, imagine being in Warsaw, Poland, you know, their capital, and nearly everywhere you went, there'd be the Polish flag, which is a white bar and a red bar, and then the oh, I meant to grab my Ukrainian flag and I forgot it. And I'm really mad at myself. And then the Ukrainian flag, which is a blue bar and a yellow bar, and they stood next to next, you know, next to each other in all the public places. And I just kept looking at that, and I kept thinking about the Polish opening their borders just straight up opening their borders to their Eastern neighbors. And not only that, but watching them come into the train station, here's your new SIM card. Here's your, uh, here's some money. Here's where you're going to get lodging. Like just all these things thrown at these people who are coming with their dogs and their cats and their bunnies and carriers. I saw a couple bunnies, um, just, just bending over backwards to help them. And I thought, would we as Americans do that for Canadians? Probably not for our neighbors to the South. Probably definitely not. For anybody, probably not. Like, but like, why is Poland so dead set on being so hospitable? Why that you know the, the population of Warsaw literally doubled in like a couple weeks? Why are they doing this? And it was this overarching question in my mind of like, just existentially, why is this happening? And Kristen well, and I went to a few museums. I was going to um, say the Polish people have a history of, of even exactly yeah, yeah, but even there, like obviously they're, it's a few generations like, back. They're like a generation but, or two removed from it. But yeah, but that's a country who has been in this position right a couple of times like you kind of associate the beginning of a world war with there goes poland right so good for them for not like not forgetting what that's like it's and now 80 years later when you know there's not a lot of world war ii vets around still they're still they're like we know what this is like it's exactly right exactly right and i had to work through that like i knew that history but like just to, to feel it in real time like and like world war one the germans beat the crap out of poland world war ii 
Hitler hated Poland and he wanted Poland to be Germany 2.0. Most of the worst concentration camps were in Poland. Like Auschwitz is in Poland and we went there. And Hitler didn't just hate the Jewish Polish people. He hated all of them. And to go through Auschwitz on our last day there, and I had a council meeting that night. It was an exhausting time. I was off Zoom. I was on Zoom for four hours that night after touring, touring Auschwitz all day. Um, to walk around and just and just grapple with that history. And our tour guide was Polish and he was saying, you know, like these were my grand my grandparents were here. Like my we hear we've heard all these stories. Like Germany was terrible to us. And even after the liberation, uh yeah, the, the US, you know, the, the the Soviets liberated us. It wasn't really liberation because they still were terrible. The, you know, the Soviet o- occupation for so long, the communists, whatever. Um, they they weren't killing us as much, but it was still not great. And just this incredible history Poland's had in the last century. And so the messaging, and right when we were there, the Polish prime minister went over to Ukraine, to Zelensky, and um, and they had this press conference. It was incredible where they both were like, we're the same. We're neighbors. Like, we're the same people. You know, consider us one united country. Polish Poland will always have your back. Like, all of it, it was – it really gave me chills. And it's like – Poland is doing pulling out all the stops because they've had the shit kicked out of them for a century by all these other countries, and they know what it's like. They know what it's like to be hunted down and murdered for no good reason, and so that's why they're going above and beyond. And I just, just it gets me chills to think about it and and to grapple with that history again. And um, I just found it incredibly meaningful, and I it made me respect the Polish people deeply. Totally different way of of meeting these folks, but Sarah and I have have done a lot of cruises, and you find that that you develop great relationships with the people that are staff on these ships, and they come from Macedonia, they come from Romania, they come from Poland, they come from Hungary, and it's just <clears throat> some of the best people that we've met, some of our favorite folks that we've met have been the, from this this that Eastern European area where it's that I think the culture of the people is just bred in that uh, they're they're awesome folks, yeah. Yeah, and, and another angle I think is really important is uh, Ukraine turns 31 this summer. I think it's in August. And you think of the founding of our country, the declaration signed on July 4th, 1776. And a lot of those signers, you know, there's Benjamin Franklin who was one in his 70s or 80s. And like they were older dudes, you know, but Jefferson was older. Washington was older. But a lot of those guys were really young. Early 20s. I think there are a couple were 18, 19. And so the founders of their democracy in, in Ukraine are still alive, right? They're still there. They fought. They, you know, they used to be part of the USSR, and that's Putin's whole thing is he wants to reunite what existed. He, when he was when he's been asked what was the greatest geopolitical tragedy of the last century, he said the breakup of the USSR, which is insane. But from his perspective, it makes sense being former KGB and all of it. Um, so he wants his he wants his land back, and they don't want to go back. Because they're proud of their democracy. You think of America 30 years old. You think of the movie Hamilton. What's the line? Uh, something scrappy and young. Oh, I hate myself for not remembering. Oh, I can't remember now either. Anybody in the chat? Christy? If Chris Galt is watching. Yeah, where's Chris, Chris Galt? Help me. We need Chris Galt. Young, scrappy, and hungry. Young, scrappy, and hungry. Okay, thank you. I'm so sorry to everybody for being offensive. I'm sorry, Lynn Manuel Miranda especially. Um, anyway, but, but like, they're so proud of their democracy. They're so proud of their country. I, and talking to all of them, like... Uh, they wore their flags everywhere. They wear they wear their colors everywhere. They love being Ukrainian. They love that identity, and they consider it very separate, except for maybe the far, far east of Ukraine. Like they consider themselves a new entity. And so, to watch that, I just and and to know why they're fighting so hard. They're fighting for their country, and I think that's really cool. There's a really interesting parallel there too. In 
if you know American history, the War of 1812 happened where we have had to fight Britain again in 1812. So as a very young country fighting, you know, fighting for your independence one more time. Um, similar, similar parallel there. Yeah, absolutely. All right. There is no good way to move on from this subject. <laughs> <laughs> so we know, we know that the most important discussion that we're going to have on this show is, is that one. Uh, but we do want to spend a little bit of time talking to you about the bicentennial uh, time capsule. Mm-hmm. It came up. You you were involved. I know you were you were one of the many many diggers out in the front lawn. Well, there weren't that many, but yeah, exhuming, uh, exhuming the big old box, and it it, <clears throat> it didn't go as well as everybody had hoped. Uh, it looked like there was a it, it it looked like a pile of wet paneling. But there were some artifacts and things that came out, uh, and the really good news is that there's going to be another time, cap- time capsule put back in the ground this month. Sort so, of. Yeah. Maybe. Um, so lessons have been learned. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, Friday was the big dig, and Mayor York sort of led the, the effort with city employees, and they did a great job, and we dug. We moved the marker. The slab beneath the marker, which was enormous, we're looking for the time capsule. It's buried off a couple of feet to the east we get down there and it is a wooden box that is pulverized and we were so bummed and it was like all right well did anybody figure out what the box was because i've looked at it and thought this looks like it's made out of paneling i it's wood i did it, it, it looked real thin like the there was a pile of it i had a picture oh, so it, it wasn't a cement vault like so there was like the ca- yeah. outer casing and then like the lid but it, or no no the lid was like low it's like to the ground it was never going to be waterproof and it was like six five or six feet in the ground like i'm not an expert on any of this but i would have said in the first five seconds like i think this is gonna, not gonna work it didn't work and it was just a huge bummer to find that out we've been really excited we've had people for months for the last year and some telling us like oh my grandfather left me a letter Oh, I can't I, wait to read it. Yeah, like just really cool things from people who are long gone, and and there were people standing with us who are elderly now, who had things that they put in when they were kids, and just all sorts of cool stuff. And it was just it was sort of a really sad moment to you know when we had the public ceremony and started pulling things out. You know, Mayor York was in the hole, and I was like next in the hole, and like handing things up to Aaron Dickin and other folks from the Historical Society. Um, there were some artifacts that were okay. We got, I think, a mug, some plates, uh, coins. There are some pictures that are uh, – K. Ford at the um, Historical Society has worked really hard. and I mean they're trying to save everything they can. We worked so hard to do – you know, to handle it carefully with the utmost respect. It's just it's, – it's a bummer. But it's a bummer that we are very in, uh, intending not to repeat. And we're going to do that by um, Aaron actually called me this morning and said he'd been talking to the mayor about what's how do we bury the, the, the next vault for 2072. And it sounds like we might go above ground. So I don't know that everybody's agreed to that yet, but it's just a thought. But we would like to prevent this from ever happening again. And, um, you know, it, it is what it is. I'm glad we could save what we could. Um, I wish I had a time machine to go back and <laughs> prevent the, some of those choices. But, you know, what are you going to do? There's no perfect answer. Right. If you go above ground, if you have a tornado come through, then all of a sudden it gets wiped out, right? Like you, you don't, you just don't know. Uh, but if you go below ground, maybe it'll be okay. Sure. I still think the waterproof cases thing it, it maybe is the uh, maybe is the answer. Get a giant pelican case, like what they carry sound equipment stuff in for planes. Like, have you seen those? Yeah, it's I know like what pelican cases box. are. Yeah, yeah. 
Something like that. Generally waterproof. I don't know how waterproof. That's the only thing. The, the question is, is how long is it waterproof for? Wrap right. Like 50 years yeah. is a long time. Because, I mean, like, the the box, I saw the same thing Jeremiah did. It looked like that paneling that they covered up all the hardwood with back in the 70s. Uh-huh. I mean, it looked like it was that thick of wood. I don't know what you'd use, like, if it would have been super morbid. But if they used a casket casket that, like, seals, like, some of those, like, locked down, if that would have done it. But Yeah, but there's still, decom- like, decomposition that happens. Yeah, especially with paper. Like paper is the hardest thing. Yeah, it it was too. It was buried too deep. Like I don't know, but it, it was pretty far down there. It was a pretty big hole. It was. Oh, I was in it. it was yeah. Impressive. I, th- I, I was exhausted. The next I haven't day. driven by. Is there still a giant hole in the no, front? Of the no, they leveled it off. I ran by there yesterday, and I was like, oh, they filled it in because I wondered that too. I was like, are they going to leave a hole in the courthouse lawn for a, a month? I Man, that would have been awful. How much rains have we gotten? That oh, would just gosh. been a mud hole. And and to be like, I mean, city employees helped us on Friday, and then Saturday it was basically me, Aaron Dickin, the mayor, Steve Dellinger helped a bit, but it was the four of us in that hole. Like we, it was your local elected officials. Like we were toiling down there, and that's okay. Like I didn't know that's what I was signing up for, but I'm honored to have done it. But um, it was hard work. You but. mentioned the lid. So was it basically like a foundation? The box sat on the foundation, and then the lid sat mm-hmm. on the foundation. Like yeah, the lid was all-encompassing of the sides. And so the, instead of you think about the lid sitting on top of a box, it was a box that sat on top of its lid, essentially. Because when you look down in there, there was like a concrete right, pad down exactly. there. But it wasn't waterproof. And it was so, so far down. Like, that was never going to be... The, op- the opening in the lid was at the bottom. Yeah. And I was like, Concrete's yeah. That- porous. Yeah, well, I mentioned, that, I mentioned they- that to my mom. I, I gave my mom a bit of a hard time jokingly because she, she worked. That was her job. I mentioned that like I think last week and she's like, it was a concrete. I was like, concrete's porous. Like you had to kind of a secondary. I mean, that's one of those things you like, we come up with all kinds of suggestions and we do our best for the next one. And in 2072, they might laugh at us because of what rudimentary methods we're using for, they're going to pull an iPhone out. They're going to laugh. What is this? I mean, but that's, that's part of the thing is to put things in there, but like the ceiling and stuff, they might have stuff that we don't have. Although the seventies, you would, think was pretty modern but whatever we do we're going to share i i hope i'm not speaking out of turn but like share with the commissioner's office exactly what the game plan is as well as um the historical society like this is what we bury this is what we're doing like so everybody's on the same page so um kyle pierce is in the chat and he says you should have found the group of folks that buried a quarter mile down and made them dig it up that's a good idea. That's a great, really good idea, Kyle. But I think most of them are dead or in their eighties. So, <laughs> I mean, um, Tom was around. Tom was there. It was Barry Tom the Saunders was like kind of in charge back in the day. He he did. Yeah, he was part of something. I think the parade, maybe. Maybe that's why Tom had to retire because he knew they didn't do a job, good job of burying the time capsule. Like, and he knew it was just gonna it was gonna be too much. I mean, they they had they. It was a big deal then. My mom's summer job was the sesquicentennial. I bet they had a person whose job was just to tell people how to pronounce it. Actually, yeah, I, still I don't can't know how to say that it. word. Yeah, actually, they did a phenomenal job of burying it. They buried it very deep and very far, and they hid it from you. So it was. Oh yeah, we were probing for hours. <laughs> <laughs> there was no indicator that it was going to be where it was. It was I mean, they were like right up to the point where they were scraping it off. They still didn't know exactly where it was. Yeah, Aaron Dickin was like Facebook living it, and they're poking the ground with the stick, and they're like, "Well, okay." Well, Oh, it's over here. And they're like, and it was a good thing that they dug it up Friday to figure out where it was. Because yes. It would have been 
comedic on Saturday. Oh, we it would take hours. We've been trying to find yeah. it with like a hundred people standing yeah. around. And I want to give Aaron a huge shout out. Like we're co-chairs, but he's done ninety eight percent of the work, and he's taken a lot off my plate. You know, elections and stuff. And I I've just been there for moral support mostly, but he's done a phenomenal job. So I just want to give him a shout out for all of his efforts. Well, it's been fun to watch and uh, and to be a part of and to cover on the on the show in our tiny little role here. All right. So this is the part of the show that Dakota was supposed to anchor, but uh, unfortunately he's unable to join us. But uh, this is, it's my opportunity to say, what the hell, Henry County government? You, you guys, it gets hot outside and y'all take half days? I am not salary, so it affects me zero. <laughs> the Hen- so I admit I saw this yesterday. I ran by a county office and <laughs> saw a sign that said, Closed this afternoon due to hot weather. And I was like, that's an option? So like, so Henry County REMC ha- has been preaching the – there's a group called MISO, M-I-S-O, uh, which is like the middle American whatever. They, they're the ones that are, are in charge grid. of the electric grid for this part of the country. And they said – Basically, we are very, very much running the risk of our part of the country not having enough electricity on these super hot days when everybody runs their air conditioners that we might lose. We might lose towns or have to do some localized brownouts. So REMC pushes this message out. Local governments look at it. Henry County government looks at it and says, what can we do to help? And they say, hey, we're going to shut the courthouse down half the day. So they're only working in the morning and they're sending people home in the afternoon. That's the. And and they they announced this on Monday. I think they had an emergency meeting Monday. Hopefully, turning the air conditioning down. <laughs> How funny would it be if they didn't? If they forgot to turn the air conditioning off, it's like let's just sit there running. So I don't know. I, I I'm looking at it going. I guess maybe it helped. They they said that the problem solved and they're not going to lose power the, in the next two days. Um. But how much of a difference is the are we is it, are we showing off a signal of hey if we can do it at the county government so you can do it at home are we trying to encourage businesses to shut down half days as well you know that's what a, are we what are we accomplishing it's a really good question and as a and member, I know you're a councilman not a commissioner yeah as a member of local government I can't answer that I got the emails just like everybody else and I don't understand I wasn't in those meetings I wasn't privy to the information I don't know if it's like a lead by example kind of thing or if they think it tangibly it would help. Um, not my call. I'm not saying the, it's good or bad. Really the courthouse is actually a Duke customer anyway. It's all the same grid, you know, that, yeah. that conversation that we've had yeah. many times in the show. But I just didn't I, – I, I want to understand why they, why they say, okay, half day is the plan. Sure. Maybe next time I'm in a room with uh, some of the commissioners I can ask. I, I do not understand. Uh, I was with them all day yesterday at the golf outing, but uh, yesterday – Ah, that's what it was. They want to shut down half day so they can go play golf, the big Republican <laughs> golf outing. Well – now I, I didn't mean to throw chickens, my colleagues under the bus, but now uh, the chickens are roosting it. in their 110 degree hen house. Oh man, it was so hot at the park; I was dying. <laughs> well, now I'm thinking. So they sent all these people home, and now they're going to go boost their AC at home. So is it really saving energy? I don't doubt though that the air. I bet keeping the courthouse cool is. I mean, it's got is to be energy a, a intensive. Tough job. But like yeah. you can, a lot of those rooms too. shut, and like yeah. you don't have to. You don't have to make the courtroom cold. Yeah. I bet it was a lead by example kind of thing. Probably. I mean, I did. I I said I ran by a county office and saw the sign out in front, and I was like, "Really?" And just kept running because I was my office is was nice and cool, and they, we all worked all day. I guess so. I'll I'll say this: it, it, next week's going to be incredibly hot as well. If the expectation is is hey, we're going to shut down county government for half days, and we're trying to do that to lead by example, then 
a note of, hey, local businesses, we also encourage you to shut your offices down half day or work from home today or do whatever. Here's here's what we need to do to try to try to solve this. Um, I don't know. It just it. I I get that they're trying to to help the issue, and but I don't I don't know I don't know to what end or what you know. It was an odd thing because it was like a message. I've I never kept, seen it done before. I kept seeing Facebook posts about it, but not from anybody official. Just a hey, a heads up, the grid might collapse this week. No biggie. <laughs> if you can try and conserve some electricity, go for it. And we didn't see the governor, you and, know, but back in the day we had, we had propane shortages and the, and the state was saying, Hey, we want to buy back propane from people so we can keep electricity or keep people heated through the winter, like a tangible action. But you didn't see that from county commissioners or governor yeah. or whatever saying, Hey, take these actions to solve this problem. It's just, Hey, don't pump gas till after six o'clock. I don't know. I just, I, I don't, I don't know if it's being communicated. I wish I had answers to any of these, but again. I'm a lowly council. Hey, listen, member. you're once again you're in the co you're in the co chair seat today. You're not you don't have to be Betsy, councilwoman Betsy. All right. I'm just saying Then I'll say what the heck, guys. Yeah. I don't know. It's all right. Once again, our government our our, our electric expert was supposed to be here and he's not, but that's okay. Uh big storms came through over the weekend. Maybe because Fort Wayne didn't have power for two days. That's what the saving grace was, because the, the the storm <laughs> came out, knocked out Christy and her electricity. Uh so since Fort Wayne had no power, we all got to stay on and, and problem problem solved. Until next week. And once again, I looked at the weather next week. It is going to be worse next week than it was this week. It's going to be horrific. Who, yeah, who knows? It might be quarter days. I know that um, – Might be Dakota, quarter days at the courthouse. Dakota said he officially is like, I haven't heard anything about this. Like in the chat, he mentioned that. And he's like, I'm the one that will shut you off if we need to do that. That would be his thing. He did say we have a uh, a peaking plant. And he said, yeah, back when they first opened it, it ran like a couple – like maybe a time or two during the month. He said now it fires up like three times a week. So apparently um, – our grid's getting pushed a little farther and a little farther and a little farther. So hopefully they find a way to deal with that for the future. But, um, yeah, it was interesting. I, we tried to, I, I came home and there was a crock pot going in the house with the AC on. So I was like, I don't know if we're doing a great job of this, but. <laughs> hey, I used our air fryer instead of the actual oven to try and save a little bit. I grilled out dinner before really? I came over here. Oh my gosh. So I cooked outside. So hot. I've done that twice this week. All right. The important thing is that they get this figured out by July 14th because we need reliable electricity to watch season two of F-Boy Island on HBO. <laughs> I can't believe it's real. Sarah sent this to me earlier in the week, and it's our, our friend, Boss Hog alum, Ben Polizzi, Benedict Polizzi. 1.2 million people follow him on the TikTok now. Ben has – his reach is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So Ben's got 1.2 million people following him on TikTok, and he's going to be appearing on season two of F Boy Island on HBO, which I did not know existed yeah. at all. Apparently, Nikki Glazer is like the host of the show, so like oh, the Chris Harrison man. of it. So he can really get torn apart because uh-huh. she's vicious. Every so, day we I'm stray interested. farther from the glory of God. I know, but <laughs> I'm ready to watch it. Ready. I I have never ever ever been a reality TV person. This sounds made up. Um, the, well, how does one define F boy? Can anybody help me with that? Ben Polizzi. <laughs> I think it's him. I think in the nineties it would have been like a scrub, like the. To, I think it's just a, a a person. Man, it's kind of hard to describe. I think it's a guy that's got no substance. No, he's not going so, anywhere. He's a jackass. Just, it's undateable. Yeah. So find the difference between the jackasses and the nice guys. Essentially, Kinda. how is this entertainment? People magazine has a has a has a photo today that once again everything he's putting up I think is fake and it's all real. 
and it's that there's this magazine spread with Ben. I will say he's beautiful. I think I think that's part of it too, <laughs> we, though. Is we, it's a guy you want to just like. He's hilarious. He's and, actually a really nice guy. Ben is hilarious, yeah, and he is beautiful. also so self-deprecating. Yes. For being an Adonis, he thinks he looks he, hideous. He does look like Adonis. He, I mean, he probably is acutely aware of the irony of what he's doing. Yeah. The the difference is is that an actual F-boy has no idea of the irony sure. of and the other are. And the other 12 people on the show, God only knows what's going to happen. Can you read the captions for me, Betsy? Yes. Uh, I'm dying. Uh, what do you do for fun? <laughs> Benedict enjoys eating rotisserie chicken and crying in his car. <laughs> I mean, obviously he's got to get the protein in for that physique. So that's the rotisserie chicken. My favorite thing that he does on social media is the who's buying this uh, shtick that he has where he goes to random stores and he'll find a product and he'll be like, who's buying this? Circus peanuts, I think, were featured on there. Um, different flavors of Doritos that don't make sense. All kinds of fun things like that. I don't think Doritos make sense. I hate Doritos. Kirsten Kronk says an F boy is a guy that thinks he's fly and also known as Buster. As a Buster. <laughs> I'm not, is that a direct quote you. from the song? I'm it, trying is, to yeah, it is, absolutely. It is, exactly. Yeah. Here's my no problem. Scrubs, baby. I, I'm not going to be able to say F boy Island. I'm going to find myself saying, oh, did you guys watch Fuckboy Island last night? <laughs> it's it's going to happen. I, I, and I'm oh, going to be in. It's after eight. I'm going to be in, in the wrong crowd. I, I My filter You're gonna is going to be. at church, Jeremiah? My, my, I'll probably be leading. 4-H youths during the, <laughs> during the fair talking about show? the premiere. It is funny that we have – there's a show that's literally called that. Like it's – like we're <laughs> we're we're just a few characters away from just not giving a, a flying shit, yeah, F-boy. What we're saying. Yeah, Christy Avery's like a boy you don't take home to your mother, but you take home for a – like they're a toy. I think they're like a toy that – yeah, it's – it's yeah, the pictures that float around are hilarious. And then – yeah, I think if anybody's ever watched like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, you would look at some of those guys and you're like, oh, that's what this He's is. He's an F-boy. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. I just don't get it, guys. I just he don't also, get it. So I don't, get, I don't also, get trash TV either, okay, and this just, is like the trashiest of trash this TV. Is the, some, I, this is my job, okay? I just liked it on Instagram, so you guys don't have to. Uh, and now I'm going to get inundated with other associated acts, which is going to be my Real housewives. My Instagram advertisements are going to be horrific now. I don't even want to tell you what mine are going to be based on a <clears> search <throat> that I did earlier. The today. two people that I know that uh, that also follow the show, or Jordan Berry, who's uh, who's over at Barstool, and uh, <laughs> an Indy 500 starter, Zach. Not this year, but an Indy 500 starter, Zach Veach. No, I don't it's think it's not a male. Age. Oh, not a male? Oh, oh really? Uh, Simone. Really? Not is, Simona. It's Pippa? Pippa Man. That's hilarious. <laughs> Pippa That's Man hilarious. follows F Boy Island. So yeah, these they made these covers, Betsy, for every one of these I, people. I bet Simona would. I don't know <laughs> I don't know if Porsche Motorsports would approve of that. Oh, oh. It's gonna be spectacular. What's even better now is Instagram now throws because it's hard enough to keep up with people you follow on Instagram. They're now throwing in other people's stuff that you don't actually follow, just like suggested people. Like, oh, you might like this person. And so those are the accounts you're really going to get a fun time with. You'll get like the accounts from probably other people that run season one and the other people in season two. So you'll just have a bunch of just like half-naked dudes that are all buff on your Instagram feed. <laughs> it's just the, they made a magazine cover for every one of them. And it's just hilarious. That's where I He's thought He's definitely it was the hottest fake. one, I think. <laughs> it's, he, he put it on Instagram and said, hey, guys, uh, I'm going to be on the show. Don't tell my mom. 
<laughs> the, the tagline says, can three single women looking for love correctly determine which men are the actual nice guys and which ones are the F-boys? What a I show. Want, I wonder how I, the producers figured it out before they picked who was going to be on the show. Because <laughs> You could end up with a whole show of them. <laughs> I can't wait to suffer through this. Welcome to July. So I, is there going to be... Do, do we need a Boss Hawk viewing party? I think there's exactly you and will you and April come over to watch F Boy Island. I would, I would come for the first episode. I'm really, I'm really looking we can forward. Watch poolside. I think that we need to see. We need to have a Joey Molinero like uh, synopsis after every episode. They're they're like partners in crime, aren't they? That's right. Yeah. yeah. But, so Ben and Ben and Joey do the, have done the Espresso podcast, and he's got the Johnson character with. Uh, I with just ben. I hope I Ben hope. did the Speed Street Live at the, at, at IMS. I just saw him at, at the track on Fast Friday. I want to. I hope that Joey gets some spinoff content out of this. He should really be working on some spinoff content from this. This should be good. Well, it's all it's all because of the boss hog bump, and that's what's important. Well, clearly, clearly, uh, we are once again we take credit for every one of our our former guest successes and whatever happens to them in life. Uh, and Ben, uh, we're we're very happy for you, and and you're welcome. Sarah, you're in the producer's chair. You've wandered your way in from ice cr- random ice cream duty to taking over for Zach. You're, you're pinch hitting. Everybody's moved up a spot tonight. Yeah. You got any final thoughts for us? Anything you need to say? Not really. I just wanted to add that uh, Ben has another bit that I've been seeing on Instagram a lot lately where he <laughs> this is polite is cat calling. Polite cat calling. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably one of my favorite things. Like, I would love to just be on the street and watch him do it. To see people's reactions and stuff because they only post he only posts like a couple of them at a time. Is that like the, there's the guy that does wholesome like uh, wholesome videos of porn stars and puts it on porn websites? It'll be like him with the at the library with a porn star, but they're actually just like reading books. And there's it's or like it it's always like super wholesome like G rated stuff, but it's with a porn star. But he uploads it to like Pornhub. <laughs> As a thing, like that's just a fun thing to do. I think Jerry's gonna show here, us. We'll, one. we'll get with the first one here. You look like you never hit snooze. Uh, let's see, we'll try one more here. My problem is, is I don't even know what part of the phone this comes out of. <laughs> Those are weird. I don't even get them. The guy is dressed in a, uh, a He's in dressed a cowboy like a cowboy. Hat. My favorite ones are like, oh, you look like you've got a great credit score, where they say something and the girl <laughs> is like already giving him a look like, oh my gosh, what is he going to say? And then he says something like, oh, you look like you don't hit snooze. And then she's like, I don't. I bet they're, I bet they're scared to death. Like, there's one thing I've learned. It's that... Um, you look like you color coordinate your clothes. I don't know. Is that like women deal with a level of BS in the world that men don't? And like I don't, I can't even comprehend it. The like the catcalling and stuff, and just like every time I'll see somebody like on you'll see somebody like you don't get catcalled when you're running down Q Avenue. Not no, never complimentary. (laughs) Nope, I get a lot of run, forest, run. (laughs) <laughs> and, all right, Jerry. Uh, I think I found a new activity at some point. And I need one Zach. of those. To, I need uh, one of those the last time anybody did anything to me, I saw your brother Danny. He flipped me off, and so I flipped him <laughs> back off. So it was just two guys at Baker Park <laughs> flipping each other off. So I bet some people. Um, I think that. I think that. Yeah, I'm trying to think of anybody else who's like flipped me off, but no, it's been a little while. Most of the time, people just uh, probably just get a little closer than they should with their car. 
That's most yeah. of what happens. But, but yeah, I haven't gotten. Yeah, Kekka, I wouldn't even know. What do you be? You still like. Yeah, some of the Just stuff. Just think of do. the things you say to your wife. Oh, that's horrible. Exactly. <laughs> she's my exactly. wife. She, but she she's knew, your wife. She, she knew and she it. signed up for it. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else uh, to my lovely bride? Um, nothing I can think of. You ready to go to Canada? I hope so. Are we going to eat ready poutine for or all ho- the poutine? We're going to eat ho- poutine or horse meat. Uh, poutine pre- preferably. Oh god. You know, I don't think I would want to eat horse meat, especially after having to hold two horses last weekend. <laughs> where I had Tony and Click hanging out with them. Might give you the trots or the runs. Yeah. <laughs> Dad jokes with Zach. Zach, what you you said you have a spectacular Okay, <laughs> this was this is yeah, and I'm glad that we're like after FBO Island this is like at the same amount of level uh, levity. They need to find a way so that when they open up this time capsule in 2072, it rick rolls whoever opens it. It needs to play that song when they open up the time capsule. But they won't recognize it. I know, that would be that's a <laughs> troll though. You know what? Somebody like if there's somebody who's around because that's a, that is an omnipresent thing. For, Never like, going to let you down. Yes. So you're saying Aaron Dickin and I need to live to the age of 86 so we can ensure. Aaron Dickin has told people he's going to be around. He's thrown jokes around and <laughs> thrown shade at the rest of the council. <laughs> he did one day. He's like, hey, we need to put some cool stuff in there for, for Kendra and I to dig up in 50 years. Insinuating <laughs> 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 that they're going to be the only two in the room. But yeah, I think there would be there would be some – like if there's a Tom Saunders and somebody's 22, 23, they, would, they will absolutely know – that everybody just got rickrolled. I think that would be funny. There needs to be some comedic stuff in there, but I just think that would be a funny oh, thing. Oh, there's, there's going to be some be, comedic stuff in there. And it would be very indicative of the time frame. It would be. It would make any sense to the people then, but the people who've been around, it would make sense to them. I just think that would I be I hope funny. I'm around just so I can, because I know a couple of the things that are going in there for comedic mm-hmm. effect, and I'll find them hilarious, but other people will be like, what the heck is this? Why, I, why I, is there a Twilight book in here? My, <laughs> <laughs> my, old, my oldest son doesn't. He's like, I'm like, oh, I might be around. Like when they open this thing up, he's like, you'll be around. I'm like, well, I hope so. Let's. I mean, like, I'll be 89, but I'll be a fresh 81. Zach and I will have very good parking uh, in roller hover 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 around scooters straight I'll be up. Younger there. than my yeah. grandma is. Uh, if you don't think your car's gonna be flying, then you're you don't I believe get, in the American oh, dream. Jetpacks. Oh, nobody's getting any of those things. Uh, you'll just be, you'll be lucky if it's uh, if, if it's a combustion engine. <laughs> We're all going to have the Segway uh, hoverboard thing. We should be in those, flying. Uh, car- we should be in flying cars at this point. We should yeah. be in flying cars, but now drones. But, sadly, not. Dr- yeah, flying around individual drones. Betsy, you got final thoughts for us? I do. Um, I know this has been a really uplifting episode where we've talked about refugees and elections being crazy. Um, but this is just on hey, my. We did spend some time on F Boy Island. We did spend some time on <laughs> F Boy Island. Um, this is something that's near and dear to my heart. Um, last Monday, we lost an absolute giant and um, a girl named Megan Frazier. Grew up with her from kindergarten all the way through high school. Uh, our family lives in Sulphur Springs. She's a Shenandoah graduate. We were in band together and a million other activities. Um, she died unexpectedly uh, down in the Virgin Islands where she worked. Um, she was an incredible person. She was, like I said, a Shenandoah graduate, honors. She was... Um, a student and graduated from the Merchant Marine Academy in Kings Point, New York, which is one of our five military academies. Wow. Huge, huge honor. She was amazing. I was out there for her graduation with her family. John McCain was her commencement speaker. It was really cool. Um, she is someone, she would always come home for summers and she'd come hang out with me at Ball State. So like all my friends from school knew Megan really well. And um, 
I missed her so much when she went to college that I made her little brother Patrick be one of my best friends. And <laughs> her parents are just two of my favorite people on the planet. So um, we lost Megan really unexpectedly, and she leaves behind a lot of people who love her, but um, especially her six-year-old son named Seamus, who's just a ball of joy and just a really, really good kid. And um, the family is setting up a trust for him. And there's a GoFundMe right now. Zach's going to plug it into the chat. I assume he's doing that right now. It's already there. Um, thanks, buddy. I, I might really double appreciate post that. it because I couldn't tell um, I, if you feel led, um, I, I can vouch for all of this. Like Megan was amazing. I think right now we're just trying to think of what we can do to support the family and support that little boy. And um, so, if you feel led to give, thank you. If not, um, just please pray for that family um, because there's just it's just such a such a bummer. It's, it feels so surreal to me to be like. Oh, joking about F Boy Island and to- talking about all these things that are happening, and then knowing that, like, one of my best friends is no longer on the earth, and I'm still processing that. It just feels weird to go about my day as as normal, I guess. But um, I just wanted to reflect on Megan and talk about what a badass she is. And um, like I said, if you feel led to give, thank you. If not, just keep in the family in your thoughts. Awesome, thank you, Betsy. Yeah. You're you're incredibly generous, and I'm I'm terribly sorry to hear, hear about you. her passing. Um, with that, we thank, uh, we thank everybody for hanging with us tonight. Uh, next week we are dark, but you do get an early episode the following week. So our next show of, uh, Boss Hogger Liberty episode 259 is going to be on Monday, uh, June 27th. So we will catch you all there with that. See you next week.